Hello, and welcome to Permission to Be. I'm your host, Becca Epley, joined as always by my co-host, David Roberts. Permission to Be exists to be a space of hope for those journeying to find their true, authentic selves. We hope that the story shared here will inspire you on your own journey and help you unlock the permission to be who you have always truly been. Welcome to Permission to Be. My name is Becca Epley, and today joining us along with my host, David Roberts, is Mike Watson. He is a teacher, he's a speaker, a leader, and he has a new philosophy that I am so excited for him to share with you all about. It is called the heart-centric philosophy, and I think this is going to be a truly intriguing conversation. Mike, thank you for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. So, Mike, we always start off our podcast with a question, which is, when your platform is huge and you're filling up stadiums and then they come to you and want to film a biopic about your life, whom or who would you like to play you? Yeah, I see that happening. Um, (laughs) (laughs) You know, one of the people that I so admire and literally can just watch him on screen, no matter what he does, is William Defoe. I think he's so intriguing and no matter what he plays, it's so deep and multi-layered. And yeah. I think we all are. Yeah. And so, but I just think for some reason or however he does it, it just comes across on screen. That would be amazing if William Defoe played me. Well, I mean, the sky's the limit. So I would say that's a done deal. <laughs> yeah, good to know. I know, right? I mean, you just put it out there. Let's speak it out into the world. Sure. He'll call. It's fine. Yeah, totally fine. <laughs> so, as you know, and the title or the theme of our podcast is Permission to Be. And I would love for you to share with us what led you down that path of seeking the permission to be who you were, finding your authenticity. Where did that journey begin for you? And what were some key points that you could share and encourage people? Yeah, um, great first question. Just get right into it. Um, so, you know, I think my journey and, and, and in terms of my permission to be is, is like so many people's in that it wasn't ever one big dramatic life changing event that Mm. just catapulted me into awareness or, or, or a desire to be who I am. Mm. It was a series of small steps, (laughs) challenges, Mm -hmm. failures, (laughs) Yeah, you know, but collectively, um, it it was almost like peeling an onion, right? So collectively, Mm -hmm. it just kept wearing away to where I understood that there was more to life than what I was doing. And I understood Mm -hmm. that from being a child, up until I became very intentional around age 35, 36, um, of deciding that I'm going to pursue in an intentional way who I am versus who society said I should be. Mm. Um, And that was hard for me because one of my biggest things and therefore my biggest barriers is that I worked so hard early in my life to get the approval of others. Yeah. And so when you decide 
that I will now focus on finding my true self and who I'm supposed to be. But then your whole life was built upon a foundation of pleasing <laughs> others. Oh my God, yeah. it was so funny. It was like, good idea. And then my mind would come up with a multitude of reasons why that would never work. Um, oh, yeah. So, you know, a lot of what triggered that later in my life is that was when I was in corporate, when I was like a regional director for major organizations. And so mm -hmm. I was just confronted on a daily basis with lessons, opportunities, and what not to do from a leadership perspective. And really what that became is a mirror to who I decided to be at my core, what my core values mm -hmm. were. Because before then, I always just my values were whoever my boss was. My value was whoever my parents, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? Whatever they said. It was, um, it was always formed for me versus by me. So when I constantly was feeling unwhole, then yeah. that was when the journey began. Would you say that moment that you finally noticed that unwholeness to really step forward into that, where were you at? Or do you remember where you were at, like in a mental state? Was that like, I'm strong, I'm going to do this, let's walk away? Or is it more of, I'm angry, this has got not to be right? Yes. So, um, no, I was not strong. That was awesome, though. That came later. Um, really, it was a state of overwhelming anxiety about who I was being mm. in life. And, and so I knew that I had a greater purpose than mm. what I was doing, but I was so anxious that actually mm -hmm. the anxiety is what drove my, my behavior and my actions out of anxiety. It's almost like it became so big that I had no, with, no choice but to leave it, you know, and or just become crushed under it. You know, so that was the choice. Um, it was a good 10 years later that I became strong and made a really brave decision, which is when I left corporate. Yeah. Um, um, a place of security, a place of approval, yeah. a place where I have succeeded multiple times yeah. nationally, um, been awarded for it. You know what I mean? Um, and to say that, okay, this mm -hmm. is not who I am meant to be. It's fine. And it's great. But it really is doing nothing to serve a greater purpose. And it's really mm -hmm. doing nothing to not only allow me to step into my own brilliance, I'm not serving mm -hmm. anybody else. And that's really what it's all about. So that came about when we uh, decided to move to Charlotte. Mm -hmm. I just picked up the phone and gave my notice and <laughs> didn't know what I was going to do. But I knew that I was no longer going to be that person. Wow. And that as long as I stayed in that environment, then I would continue to fit in that environment. Mm -hmm. And so I had to remove myself. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons I asked is because I think there's this misconception that when we start searching and start looking, it's because, oh, I feel safe now. So I can, so I can take these big steps and search and learn. And that's not necessarily, and I don't think most times that's not true. And I, I kind of, I want to put that out there to people who there's so much hesitation because it needs to look a certain way. We have this false perception of what venturing 
into our true path, if you want to use that language, um, that it's, it's going to be all bright lights and <laughs> there's going to be, you know, a flashlight going, go this way, go this way. And no. <laughs> that's not what it is. Uh, it's, it's being willing to, and that, I really love that. Like, I don't love that you had to deal with anxiety because I deal with anxiety myself. <laughs> so I'm not going to say that, but I love that in your mm-hmm. life, anxiety was a catalyst for good. And so taking this really hard part of life and it turns into this huge catalyst for change, which not only changed you, but it also changed, well, it has changed lives of thousands of people that you have touched over the last couple of decades. Right. Uh, so, so good. Uh, a couple of different points there that are amazing that you brought up. One is um, that we often tend to avoid or ignore those parts of ourselves that we label as bad or wrong or undesirable. Mm-hmm. When in reality, like you point out, it was that thing, anxiety, that I didn't want that was mm-hmm. the driver, right? But I had to acknowledge it. I had to to mm. to say it is part of my life and why is that happening mm. um right it's like carl jung said right we have that shadow side but if we if we can't just mm-hmm. ignore well we can try to ignore it but we get no growth then which brings me to my second point which is what you said right so many people believe that they will awaken if they wait long enough for the right moment mm-hmm. yeah. and so they spend their entire life trying to construct a life in which to become more when in reality it's already there Mm -hmm. waiting to be revealed to them but the work is internal not external right Mm -hmm. so they're forming everything based on external information external clues like me external approval right Mm -hmm. like every but everything is internal Mm -hmm. in terms of who we really are in terms of stepping up into our greater purpose And so if people want safety, then all you're really saying to yourself and and to society is, I don't want to grow because there is no growth in comfort. There is nothing but mediocrity in Mm -hmm. comfort. And and so you're going to feel dissatisfied as long as you feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. It's not until you get uncomfortable. And for me, anxiety created the discomfort. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Right? Yeah. You have to have something in your life that pushes you so that you begin to be courageous enough to understand that you are powerful enough to deal with the unknown and the discomfort of what it means to be a human. Mm. (sighs) Sitting with the unknown, that is, um, that's really hard, especially right now where I feel like the energy, especially of um, our country, is very much feeling unknown and fragile. I know you have a course and you work on teaching through heart-centric leadership. Can you tell us a little bit more about some of the ways that your course kind of walks people through getting to that point where it's more the focus shifts? Yeah, so... The, the online course that I constructed is called Heart Centric in Leadership and Life. So that's the first thing is that mm. we too often segment everything in our life and we play multiple roles. Mm-hmm. I'm here, here's how I am at work. Here's how I am 
at a party. Here's how I am with my family. Mm-hmm. Here's how I am at yoga. To me, like yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, but the, but the reality is, if, if we're going to become our best selves and serve a greater purpose, then we have to understand that there's just one way of being ourselves. And so it, it, I don't ever talk about leadership in a void or a vacuum. It's always leadership and life because it all goes together. Mm-hmm. Um, and so really the course is built on providing a guide for people to navigate that personal journey with purpose. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's composed of a series of modules. And mm-hmm. the biggest thing is that it starts with self-awareness and understanding your core values and then creating a personal mission and vision statement to live your purpose. Mm. And, you know, we, from an organizational perspective, we're very familiar with companies' mission and vision statements. But where I found that a lot of people struggle is they had no idea how their own personal mission fit into the organization. So Mm. they just go to work dissatisfied. They go collect a paycheck instead of serving a purpose. And so what I've done is I've constructed a course that allows you to understand how you can align your own personal purpose through self-awareness, prayer and meditation, you know, creating a, that personal mission and vision statement. And all of that is the foundation of what are your core values? What is it that you truly, truly believe in? What do you stand for? And, you know, we rarely ask ourselves that question, but we ask others all the time. Oh yeah. (laughs) And we make judgment based on it, but we aren't willing to like shed that, share that light and shine that light back on ourselves. Um, And so when we do, um, it's so comforting in a sense, because you finally get at the point where you're like, that's who I truly am. Mm -hmm. And so now decision-making becomes very easy Mm -hmm. because I no longer have to doubt why should I choose option A, option B, option C, I know my core values. I understand my purpose. Here's why I'm choosing it. Mm-hmm. It aligns with my purpose. And even if it doesn't work out how I thought it would, I never doubt the reason I made the decision. And so it's really easy then, not simple, but easy yeah. <laughs> to feel empowered by the decisions and the, and, and the choices you make, knowing that failure is not due to lack of navigation of a true north. It is just maybe something you need to reflect on in terms of was the timing right? Did you get the right um, set of support mechanisms? Do you know what I mean? It had nothing to do with why you made it. It was just something else. So it it becomes very freeing for people. Yeah, that's a huge perspective shift. That is, I would say culturally, that is not what we're taught (laughs) whatsoever. Mike, this is... uh... (laughs) This raises a couple of questions for me. Um, the first is, so you've kind of described the impetus for this journey that you've been on, and you've described briefly here the course and kind of where you've ended up. But at what point did kind of the anxiety, maybe even you'd go so far as calling it desperation, the necessity that you experienced that led you down this path, at what point did that, and what did it look like for that to coalesce or systematize to like to I guess, leverage your journey into something that not only became beneficial Mm -hmm. and productive and kind of growth oriented for you, but which you were then able to kind of turn around Mm -hmm. and help reproduce for for others who have maybe experienced the same thing. Yeah. So thank you, David. I appreciate it. So I would say the biggest thing about that catalyst 
you know, of, of anxiety was that it broke me down so completely that I was left with nothing but who I truly was. And so I don't mean broke down as in couldn't function. Um, you know, I'm a functioning anxiety ridden person. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of us. Um, but so what it did, right, is it so efficiently caused me to question mm. what I was doing and who I was that it provided clarity, mm. right? So, but first I had to, to your point, David, first it was a breakdown. Do you know what I mean? Like in terms of who am I? What am I doing? Why, where am I living? Why do I live here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Who am I with? Do you know what I mean? It was just, it was everything because, because it so holistically impacted my viewpoint and my internal sense of self. And that's what needed to happen. And, and I just happened to take that path we all have different things that I think provide us with the impetus to to mm-hmm. journey inward in terms of finding who we are. So basically, it, it removed a lot of the mask mm-hmm. that I wore. It removed a lot of the lenses through which I saw the world, mm-hmm. a lot of the bias that I have mm-hmm. and had. And so it allowed a much clearer perspective about who I was, right? It didn't yeah. fix me, Right. I'm still biased. Yeah, I mean, I still have issues, but what has happened is that my willingness to look at them allows me to recover so much more quickly that I understand that they are false, mm. that that is not who I am. And I am able to get back on track so much faster, which is part of the course. It's like, we're all going to get off track. The goal is not to stay off. <laughs> like, how do I get quicker yeah. back on my journey of purpose, right? So it's not that anybody never makes a mistake or achieves perfection. It's always do we shrink the gap of self-awareness so that I can stay in purpose in a much faster rate and more frequently. Did that help, David? Absolutely. Yeah, no, that's very cool. Um, That makes a ton of sense. And then, so the other question I had, which is kind of as you described the course, what, um, how did you come to answer some of those questions for yourself? Like when you ask yourself, what do I stand for or mm-hmm. what are my values? Like what did you land on personally? And how is that how is that like in turn like continued to shape this work that you now? Yeah, so where I'm at right now is that my purpose is to empower others as they travel on their life journey so I can help them navigate that and be brilliant right? Like that's every day when I wake up, no matter where I work, no matter what I do, I can do that. I can be a source of support and empower others to navigate their life journey and stand in their brilliance. That's my purpose currently. Mm -hmm. So what is also important to understand is that purpose is not static. So it's not like I found my purpose, Mm -hmm. right? That's the number one question I get all the time from a lot of my clients is, I, I know I have a bigger purpose, how do I find it? And I'm like, well, we can reveal it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But but when you say find it, it's almost kind of like it's this static thing that once you found it, you're done. Mm-hmm. And the reality is once you reveal it, it's just the beginning mm-hmm. because purpose is unfolding. It, it's ongoing. So my purpose currently is that. My core values that shape that are the ability to listen to my heart so that I can have my spirit act my um, desire to be empathetic and purposeful in all I do. Um, You know, some of these core values came up through a lot of soul searching, self-awareness, 
And again, because I was broken down, I was able to build up, Mm -hmm. right? I had removed so much debris that I finally had a much easier time understanding what I was all about. Mm. Sure. That's really good. Now, I mean, so you call the, you call the the class kind of the the philosophy, the the purpose, the program. I don't don't like the word Mm -hmm. program actually, uh, as it it pertains to this, Uh, that seems too static, I think, but, but this idea of being heart centric. And so what, Mm -hmm. how would you kind of frame, like what makes it heart centric to you as you, as you think about this, maybe in contrast to kind of the, the normal paradigms, the normal lenses that people kind of filter their being or their decision making through. Um, uh, I think, I think heart centric sounds very, intentionally chosen as a kind of a, mm-hmm. as a, as like a moniker or kind of a way to describe or define this. So, mm-hmm. so for you, yeah. where is the kind of the, the thematically, like, where does the heart come in, in your mind to this? That's sure. a weird sentence. Where does the heart come in, in your mind? But, um, yeah. but I think you're hitting on the point, which is <laughs> in Western society, we only focus on the mm-hmm. mind in terms of education, in terms of our own uh, moral codes, in terms of how we, um, understand life. Mm. It is a very westernized way of looking at the world is through our intellect, right? So that is why we constantly test IQ. Mm. <laughs> and, and we're mm. not testing other things, but we test IQ, mm-hmm. even though science shows that our IQ level, our intelligence can only ever at best predict 25% mm-hmm. of our success. But yet we love it so much, we test it. Mm. <laughs> And so there's this false narrative that the only way to be is to be intellectual and to be educated and to be academic. And that is the way forward. And that's not true. It's a, it's a part, it's a component part. So the heart really, when I say heart centric, I'm trying to get people to look at other things in you that speak to you. Right. And so not only philosophically am I saying, listen to your heart. Um, that's part of it. You know what I mean? That's kind of a um, almost a, uh, a blanket kind of, I don't know, almost like a, a sweater that you would wear to always feel sure. comfortable. It's like, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. listen to your heart. Like we ignore it so much yeah. um, to our own demise. Now, the other part is, that there's a biological reason, there's a scientific reason, right? So the heart has neurons just like our brain does. Mm. And the heart communicates up to our brain through the vagus nerve, just like the brain communicates back down through the nervous system to our body. Mm. And as a matter of fact, our heart communicates quicker and more often to our brain than our brain does to our body. So in reality, if we pause to listen to our heart, what it's telling us, be nervous, be comfortable, be okay, be loving. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I mean? That message actually is shooting up through our our vagus nerve, but it's our mind that we are focusing on. So we tend to just kind of ignore those messages Mm -hmm. and we just default to the story we tell ourselves. Yeah. Right? So we just love the story and our mind is like, you love this story. Here's what you should believe. Here is who you are. And it's worked in the past, so Mm. we're going to tell you again what that's all about. But until you listen to your heart and your mind, both, Mm. but heart-centric in terms of understand that you need to go there, don't ignore Mm. it, then you really gain a lot more awareness and clarity about who you are, right? So there's a saying that I have is that 
the heart speaks, the mind listens, and the spirit acts. Mm. And we do it the opposite. We do yeah. the mind. The mind listens. <laughs> the heart overreacts. Don't listen to it. <laughs> and then hopefully our spirit comes in somewhere. Like it's right. <laughs> right? So I'm trying to you know take the woo woo you know like metaphysics yeah. out of it. Sure. And and position it in such a way that we understand it as a reference point. And a, and a source of information as opposed to just an organ that pumps blood. No, that's awesome. That's that's a cool way to not just think about it, but also, uh, I mean, I, I learned something new right there. Me too. Uh, about the neurons and stuff like that. So, so that's something I would love to explore. So one of the cool things that I have watched some videos with you about is that you not only work with adults, but you work with kids. Yeah. I just think about when I was in high school or middle school, what it would have been like to have somebody come and speak into my life like you're speaking into these kids' lives. And I'd love to hear from you just a little bit more about how the heart-centric approach is received and experienced with the teens that you work with. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so um, a lot of the work I do with teens is through Playing for Others, which is also an organization that I happen to sit on their board. But that came about as just a result of me finding out about who they are and the work they did. They brought me in to do a workshop for their teens. Would you mind telling us a little bit about Playing for Others, just a snippet? Absolutely. So Playing for Others is a nonprofit here in Charlotte um, started by Jennifer Band, and it focuses on 8th through 12th graders um, from all over Charlotte, so all the different schools. Mm -hmm. And its focus is asking very self-aware questions like, who am I and how do I give of that? Like, that is the core mm -hmm. of what we do. And then we do it through the mm -hmm. arts and leadership. Who am I? Mm -hmm. And the second part is critical, and how do I give of that? Because in giving, we receive mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and to your point, Definitely. the earlier we can learn that lesson, we, we are quickening the, the ability of our global community then to transcend where they are currently. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's what they do. And they do it through any number of do you know I mean, functions and art events and theater. And they are amazing. So I highly encourage everybody, please check them out. Playing for others <laughs> is such a yeah. critically yeah. important part of so many teens' lives here in Charlotte. You'll definitely have those listed in the show yeah. notes. And go back to just talking about, I'd love to hear some of your experiences um, with the teens and this new way of thinking that even an eighth grader, you know, we're talking teenagers, so there's they've had some formative years in their lives already, especially if it's not, they come from maybe a marginalized mm -hmm. community. Um, and so there's a lot to unpack already um, at eighth grade. Absolutely. Um, um, I had a lot to unpack at eighth grade. <laughs> yeah, um, me too. <laughs> you know, what's so, there's so many amazing things, but one of the things that is very transformative of working with eighth through 12th grade students, these teens, is that to your point, although they have a lot of, a lot of life experiences already built up in them. So therefore, they've already constructed a narrative of what life means and who they are. Mm. To your point, yeah. it also, though, doesn't take very long to guide them inward so that they understand mm. the difference between what is true and what is real. 
about their life, right? So something, you know, we can say something is very real, but is it true? And, you know, our mind, again, is very good at saying, no, this is reality. This is who you are. This is how you need to feel. Mm -hmm. This is how you interact with others. This is what the world is about. And those are all very real statements because Mm -hmm. we've experienced it and and we've told ourselves it's true, but it's not true. Because when you start to unpack it, as you say, Mm -hmm. when you start to look at things like, well, who am I? Which is another way of saying, what are my core values? Mm -hmm. What do I believe in? Then you very quickly understand that the reality you live in is often at odds with the truth of who you are. And so that's the work Mm -hmm. I do with the teens is, is workshops with them to have their own personal purpose revealed to them um, at this age so they can start Mm. working in a service-oriented manner. Mm -hmm. And they are faster, quicker, more willing than any adult that I've worked with (laughs) because they have less, even though they have stuff, it's less stuff. Mm. And they still have this very honest and authentic desire to know who they are. Mm. And they respond automatically to authenticity. Mm. The more authentic you are, the more real you are, they're like, I can trust this person. Mm. And so I'm willing to go on this journey with you. Mm. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and then, you know, they've done so many things for me. I got a huge spoken word um, theater performance oh, awesome. honoring me. And for the work I do in the community that was performed downtown. Um I didn't know it was coming. I didn't know I was going to be honored in that way, but they wrote it. They performed it. They, you know I mean, and this is in addition to, mm-hmm. right, doing all their AP classes mm-hmm. and, and doing their sports and mm-hmm. doing, being a family member, right? They realize very quickly the benefit of who am I and how do I give of that? And, you know, that's very heart centric. That's saying, I have to listen mm-hmm. to my heart to understand who I am. And it, it's transformational. It really is. I just, the thought that keeps running through my mind as you're sharing this, Mike, is that we as adults have to stop discounting the teenagers in our lives and discounting that they're not grown yet. They don't know yet. They've got a long ways to go. And we take generational stereotypes and place it on people like it gives us permission not to to live a heart-centric life. I mean, honestly, that's that's what it does. And we miss out on so many opportunities, not only selfishly for ourselves, but, I mean, teenagers came up with this whole performance that spoke into your life that did amazing things for their own self-esteem and self-worth and made them feel valued. And I think as adults, we just miss it a lot. Yeah, We've labeled it whatever it is. Yeah. And we are, as a society, so many people are so willing to Mm. live in their comfort Mm. because it's what they know, even if they don't Mm -hmm. like it, at least it's known. So they understand it. Mm -hmm. They're so bought in to that mindset that they know nothing else to do, but to pass that down and say, well, here's what I did. Here's how I was able to navigate life. And all it is, is a passed down memory of what was given to them. So you have generational issues and anxiety and bias and and this idea of just this false narrative of what it means to be a human, right? 
And to your point, there's such a huge opportunity there, which is part of the work I do, to begin to transform that and shift that mindset so that we no longer have to try to teach others, especially our children, something based mm. in comfort, right? Um, there is nothing in comfort mm. except mediocrity. There is no growth. And, and so we send such confusing messages. We say, we want you to learn and grow and be amazing and do all these wonderful things, but yeah. in this very narrow yeah. box. Yeah. <laughs> we, don't, we don't want you to fail. We don't want you to explore. We want you to play everything safe so we can understand what the outcome is. But that is the opposite of growth. And that is the reason why we've had, you know, so many years and so many generations of just non-participation in a, in a global awakening is, is because of this desire to be comforted by what we know. So a lot of people, let me rephrase, let me not generalize this. Some people might say that I'm just, it just seems like too much work to not, to try to do more, to try to live outside of that desired comfort. And why is it worth it? And why should I even try? Why should I even start? Because this world is already wearing me out. And if you could sum that up in one sentence, <laughs> what would you tell them? Um or two sentences that <laughs> no pressure, no pressure at all. Um, that internal awareness reaps external rewards is how I would phrase that. Right. So there is a definite endpoint to growth if it's fed by external sources, but there's an infinite amount of rewards as long as we have internal awareness and are willing to go on that journey. It's not more work. It's just different work. Mm. I think it's harder to try to satisfy the external world in which we live as opposed to just doing the work of loving myself, growing with failure in mind as a positive, um, and, and being internally aware so that I understand who I am and how I can mm. serve others. That was like five sentences. Sorry. It was still succinct. It was good. <laughs> Some commas and semicolons. It's fine. <laughs> Yeah, very E.E. coming. Just put a bunch of commas in there. So, Mike, you and I were talking a little bit before we started. We had talked about that we both kind of grew up in some religious backgrounds. And one of the questions that we ask all of our guests, whether they grew up in a religious background or not, because I think anybody can answer this question, what does, or maybe it doesn't, what does the word salvation mean to you these days? Hmm. Salvation was not a word that was used a lot in, in my personal life growing up. Um, I was raised Catholic, and although the word salvation obviously arose um, in service once in a while, it was not something that was emphasized other than to underscore the idea that if we live a life in support of you know Christian mm -hmm. concepts yeah. of Jesus, then we will be saved, right? This idea, yeah. idea of salvation. But for me, and, and for today, is salvation is more about the idea that when we recognize that we have the power at any moment to be connected to both the divine and therefore everybody else in the world, mm -hmm. then salvation is an 
ongoing way of mm. serving others. I like that. Mm-hmm. I do too. I love that. <laughs> I've been actually writing a whole bunch of quotes down as you're going. You said several quotable things. <laughs> so as we kind of come to a close this evening, what you have said, again, so many quotable things, which for me means there's so much, you just have wisdom. And I am just very grateful for your wisdom and you're willing to share. And so for those who who would like to dive a little bit deeper, how can they connect with you more? How can they access um, your class? Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So first of all, my website is the best way just to kind of, if you're going to do one thing, do that because it'll have links to everything else. So the website is really simple. Mm-hmm. It's Mike Watson today. <laughs> so, and I like to keep it present, right? Like, so I love that it's a dot mm-hmm. today because it's just this beautiful reminder that it's today, no matter when it is, awesome. it's always today. So today. Mike Watson dot today, you know, Mike Watson, all my social media is Mike Watson today, no matter how you want to follow mm-hmm. me or, or, or communicate with me. But um, there's constantly uh, links being shared in addition to the website on all my social media for that course, because I created it with the intention of it being very accessible to people. Mm-hmm. I priced it that way. I, it's self-paced. Um, it's got a lot of downloadable support pieces in addition to all the video content. You know, So I, I try to position myself as the student mm-hmm. so as to understand what is the best way I could serve those people that I was not in the classroom with or were not in my workshops. Mm-hmm. And so really, it's a, it's a five-module course that allows them to quickly get at the core of who they are. Um, mm. and begin that man begin the journey more into spiritual intelligence and a life of purpose very cool yeah also if there are people who would like to bring you in to lead a workshop for a day or an afternoon mm-hmm. is that something that you do as well yeah i do a lot of that and it ranges uh for-profit non-profit small big i i did eastman chemical <laughs> corporation Um, all the way to, you know, the diversity council of the Carolinas. And then I've done multiple Mm. workshops for like Davidson college. So it just runs the gamut. Um, again, one of the things we all have to understand is that when we start to identify and get clarity on our purpose, it's Mm. applicable everywhere. So it doesn't matter, Mm. um, to two people, 2000 people Mm. it's, it's applicable. So yeah. And again, all that information is on the website. So you, my email is on there, Mike at Mike Watson today. Um, it's very simple to get a hold of me. Awesome. Mike, thank you so much for joining us and sharing. I feel like this is cheesy to say, but it's a gift. Like you literally have each of us have a gift and you're willing to put yours out there and say, this is who I am. I know you're changing lives. And I just, I'm grateful for you. I don't have a lot of words right now, but I am grateful for you. And I think that's just the biggest thing. And I appreciate you and your time. So thank you for joining us. Absolutely. Well, I don't think there's any greater thank you than gratitude. If we do nothing else in our life, if we just wake up and say thank you, I think that's a big step forward. So gratitude, I'll take that any day. So thank you. I'm grateful as well for this opportunity to share my voice. Thank you for joining us on Permission to Be. I'm your host, Becca Epley, and thank you to my good friend and co-host, David Roberts. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and you'll never miss an episode. We are available on all the major podcasting platforms. And while you're there, if you would leave us a rating and or review, 
We are always looking for more and more ways to hear from our listeners. You can find the links for today's guests in the show notes located at BeccaEpley.com. We do hope that you will join us for our next episode.